I want to do work that matters. Right. I want to do, you know, we're, I'm 25 right now. I've got a very, I've got very lofty, ambitious goals for where I want to be in at some point. I don't try to put a, a time on it. But I want to be doing work that matters globally. Yeah. Uh, in the communications and advertising space. And also just making impact, making social, you know, pop culture impact. And so to do that, I've got a lot on my plate. There's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. Respecting the process, baby. The way that I see it is I don't think advertising identifies with a lot of the ways that we that brands should be responding to their audiences online. Right. And I don't think marketing really, I think marketing is heavily misinterpreted. Mm -hmm. Marketing is so broad when people say I run a marketing agency. There's four P's of marketing and we deal with promotions. We don't deal with pricing, we don't deal with placement, and we don't deal with product really. We deal with promotions. And so what a lot of people say they're marketing companies, really they're within the promotions aspect of marketing. Right. So it's a bit deceiving. And you say promotions, so that's that's video, that's photography. It can be anything under the sun. It can be any, or like anything under the sun from your marketing to your social media to your... There's, so there's different components. So you can see how big marketing is. Right. Everything that a communications agency or an advertising agency or a production agency fits under, right. that all fits with under P, that promotions aspect. Okay. So promotions is a bit of a bad word, but it's really anything that gets your brand or your product out there. So how did you get to this place where you're putting your brand and your product out here in such a unique fashion? Um, I guess the way that I see it is I have a big problem with the way that a lot of I think there's an opportunity for brands to be more empathetic and more mindful for the way that they develop their relationships with their audiences. And primarily because a lot of brands define what they want to be based on, you know, their their quotas and their targets and the goals internally and you know what type of identif- what type of identity is present within the company, which I think is important. Mm. The problem is is if the consumer's never considered within the marketing and your communications initiatives, right. then it's gonna fall short from anybody listening. Yes. So <laughs> the problem is it can be really well produced, it can be really well thought out, but if you're not thinking about the end consumer or, right. you know, telling the story that they're interested in, yeah. Then you know, then we have a problem, and then we have a lot of wasted efficiencies. Right. So the way that I see it is, you're not. We're not just telling stories. We're telling the right stories. Yeah. Everybody's talking about storytelling, but to me, I think it's. I can tell you a ton of stories. Yeah. But I can also tell you a ton of stories that'll put you to sleep. Right. So I want. I need to be able to tell you. Yeah. The story that you are interested in, you know, not, you know. Well, let me tell you my story that I never that you never asked me about, right? And expect you to listen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So, I think brands have to be more considerate and more mindful that in the new generation of communications and marketing, yeah, it's an open dialogue. It's not a one-way street. Yeah. Right. And the consumer has just as much power, if not more, right, than the brand does. And really, it's the brand bringing their pail and shovel into the consumer sandbox. So what are some strategies you see working? Listen. 
<laughs> Just listen. Listen. Listen and observe. Yeah. You know, the thing is we're very obsessed with quantitative data, which I think is very important. Yes. You know, quant data is critical for understanding certain behaviors and aspects and uh, in how your consumer behaves with your product. Well, it's proven. Yeah. Exactly, it's proven. <laughs> the problem is that quantitative data tells you yes or no. It's a it's it's a it's a very binary answer. You're either doing something right or doing something wrong. Okay. The issue is it doesn't give you enough detail in terms of what is going right or wrong. And so, what we have to start doing more of in is looking at the qualitative data. Who's we? Brands, um, communications a agencies. People in the industry, I guess when I refer to we as, I mean, you know, brands, everybody that are responsible to talking to consumers. Right. And so I consider myself part of that, you know, that realm as well as my clients, as well as my competitors. Okay. You know, everybody has to start being more mindful right. about how we communicate with consumers. Um, and part of that is looking at the qualitative data. So it's not just, you know, the strategy on that is, for example, what I'm interested in is not... How many coffees does the average Starbucks consumer consume? You know, if, you're, if I'm if Starbucks is my client, mm -hmm. but where were they before they got to the coffee shop? Right. Where are they going after? Why do they go at 7 a.m. every day? And what's their life like? What is their motivations towards buying at Starbucks? And what are the things that they're really interested in? Right. You know, what are those unarticulated needs, wants, and desires? Ah. And really, because that's, that's what gives us a good understanding of what to communicate and what campaigns to build. Okay. And is, is this a trend that's beginning to develop? Absolutely not. I, well, I think the best marketers have always known this. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science. It's just very difficult because you have to take your perspective and your motivations out of the picture and look at the consumers. Right. But considering they're the ones giving you money, it's seems pretty intuitive that they would be the ones that you should listen to. So what's the process here in terms of developing an understanding of your clientele and, and fulfilling their needs? Well, first and foremost, you can only, we can only work with a customer, uh, with, a, with a brand willing to listen. Right. If a brand says, you know, we, we want to work, you know, we, these are our values and we're not budging, then, you know, the, the issue then leads to well, I'm sorry, but we, we can't really we can't really help you, mm -hmm. right? There's probably better people to, that just will execute your laundry list. And are more people interested in investing in into a product that they understand and that Absolutely. they they clearly see? They're interested in. I'm interested as a consumer, and I'm sure you are. And and I don't want to put words in your mouth, and you can disagree with me. Um, but I'm interested in dealing with brands as a client and also as a consumer right. that I can believe in, yeah. that I share philosophies with, and that we have the same, that, that I believe in the product. Yeah. And, the, and I don't believe in a product based on the features. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're in too far of a uh, complex consumer state to mm -hmm. really you know, just say, oh, well, this suits my needs. Sure, maybe for a bottle of water, but. <laughs> Is the product more important than the brand? In what sense? In what context? So you can deliver a fantastic product, but if you're not marketing yourself well enough as a brand, are people going to still be willing to invest into you? I think first and foremost, you need a good product to develop a good brand. 
Right. Right. It's I, I attribute communications very much to dating. Yes. Right. So you know, it's it's pretty. It's a pretty. It's a pretty bizarre. It's a pretty bizarre analogy, but it's it's actually not. So when you think about it, you have to have substance. Of course. In order to build a long-term relationship. Chemistry. Yeah, exactly. You can't just be a pretty face. Yes. So, you know, the pretty face might get you in the door, might get you, you know, where you, you know, you might not, you might, <laughs> you know, you might want to, you know, get to that point, but put it this way, they're not going to be your best, uh, you're not, they're not going to be your best, uh, your best relationships. The relationships are the best are the ones with substance, the ones that the other person appreciates you for who you are, mm-hmm. that you can build you know, strong sincerity between each other, that you care about each other. And that's really how brands should focus it. Right. It's really, it's about a relationship between the consumer and the company yep. and how it works. So, so it's really about guiding the, guiding the brand saying, okay, how can we deliver messages that the consumer cares about right. and that they can feed off of? Mm-hmm. And we'll know if we're saying the right things, if we're getting positive responses back, Mm-hmm. And also, if people are purchasing, right? Yeah. And so I say, so I think you have to have a good product in yeah. order to push a good brand. Right. But a good product doesn't necessarily mean you'll have a good brand. So you can't ha- just you've, like you have all the right intentions, but you still have to be able to communicate that. Can a company or a business survive uh, with a weak-looking brand yet a strong product? Absolutely. Yes, you can, but they're few and far between. Right. And it's usually the happenstance that you have a good brand innately ingrained in your culture. So tell me about how does George Briggs fit into this philosophy of yours? Right. So, well, <laughs> George Briggs, the, uh, the alter ego. Or <laughs> um, it's what I'm interested in is figuring out how to create meaningful relationships between brands and their consumers and making sure that those strategies are well executed with our internal abilities. So, you know, the issue isn't just coming up with a great idea and listening, but it's also, you know, your intentions can't just be, Oh, I'm going to buy my wife roses, you know, on Valentine's day, but you also have to buy them. You know, you have to buy her the right roses. Of course. You have to buy her, her nice ones, and, and mm-hmm. I mean also, you know, um, you know, and, and I, I'm, uh, I'm generalizing, but it's it's a matter of making sure that the quality is there too, because in a campaign, there's 101 details that can go wrong between the brief that you say this is how we're going to identify with the consumers, mm-hmm. and actually executing it. So what we're trying to do is make sure that we're empathetic at the start, right. and that we prevent a broken telephone effect happening right by the end right and i'm i'm speculating but i don't think you started this entire process with this in mind like there's no way you went into this expecting you know a communications hub no no um absolutely not um it's kind of being built off of i it's been a bit of a journey we started out three years ago as a video production agency um, and I didn't like it. I hated it. Right. Um, primarily because we were doing work, some work that we had the opportunity to do 
fun stuff but right. a lot of the time we were doing work that didn't matter right um and we were just producing content yes and if you know me i'm not the biggest advocate of pushing content yeah um i'm much more about the communications and saying you yeah. know content really is just a vessel mm. it just gets you from point a to point b yeah uh what really matters is what you're shipping in that vessel the content right so whether that be a meaningful story through video or a really effective print ad right what matters is the substance yeah so what we really slowly developed is when we started from productions we mm. realized that this is in identifying the needs of the market right you know as a video production agency you're merely a commodity mm. truthfully it's because being good and being creative isn't enough oh i agree I you know, it's, it's, it's not good enough to be, uh, you know, have high production value. I think that's a given, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I can't say, well, I'm going to reduce the production based on the budget. Yeah. Cause that's, you know, your contracts are good as your, your last contract was as good as your, you know, I, I hate the term, I forget the term, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, so it really formed in terms of how can we be the most valuable right. to brands yeah. and how can we make a difference? Oh, well, I totally understand that because the videographer in me, you know, you, you take the job because you're getting paid, mm -hmm. you know, somebody's giving you money to create a product, yeah. but then, you know, this like creative consultant, I was telling you about you, like <laughs> this like alter ego kind of emerges and it's, it's a dude that's way more passionate about a brand, exactly. you know, and it's about the process. Let me tell your story. Yeah. You know, so I definitely understand that. And brands can benefit off of that creative consultant communications kind of feel because the issue is, is that what brand, brands don't know what they're missing. There's incredibly creative, incredibly talented people right. that can help provide much more value mm -hmm. in the, um, in your processing and in your brand. Yes. And a lot of that is missed because you say, I need this video produced because our competitor has produced a video and so we need to do it too. Yeah. Right. And so then you get in the stuck mind, you stuck, you get stuck in this mindset. Oh, I need to produce something because of, you know, this external factor that doesn't necessarily matter. Right. Right. So it's, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous mentality. So what's the, what is the recipe to developing a successful, sustainable brand? So, be mindful, mm -hmm. listen, right? Actually, listen and then and, and be mindful, <laughs> and never get ahead of yourself. Yeah, that you've developed a brand at some point that now you can restructure it, right? Right now that I've restructured, now that I've gone the brand to the where that I want it to be, and I've got the consumers on board, right? Let's reinvent it. No, you can't, you can't do that. That'll fail. That's like saying, you know. I've gotten, you know, I've convinced my better half to, you know, to marry me. Yeah. Now I can let myself go. Mm. We know 50% of the time that usually doesn't work <laughs> as, as, as our current state of uh, state shows in, in our in relationships. So I think it's always being mindful and making sure you're always listening. Yeah. And you never laying off on providing value to the consumer right. in more than just the product, mm -hmm. but in making sure that you're communicating to them. Alex, what does respecting the process mean to George Briggs? To me, it means mindfulness. It's being mindful of what the process is supposed to achieve. 
Um, a lot of the time we, we're, we're human. We like to compartmentalize things. We like to create processes primarily because it makes ourselves comfortable, the uncertain. Well, communications is all about uncertainty. It's about creating sparks of energy, creating, you know, engagements and, and getting your audiences excited and, and you can't process that. Right. The best way to process that is, is to not. <laughs> you have to look at it more as a blueprint in terms of saying, well, we know that we always have to listen. What is the context of what we're trying to do here? So really the process more is like a blueprint in terms of you know, how do we listen to the consumer. And so for me, process is making sure that process doesn't overrule or outrun what you're trying to achieve. That's, that's to me what the most important thing is. That's where mindfulness I think, is the most important part of the process.